So hello everybody and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians on this snowy Sunday morning in the middle of March in the middle of London. There is an icy wind blowing out there, isn't there? And do you know, I would understand anybody choosing to stay in bed this morning. But look around. Look at everybody who's bothered to get up and come to church this morning. And if you have bothered to get up and come to church this morning, then you already know two of life's great secrets. That it's good to gather with other people and it's good to make time for your spiritual well-being. Through song and silence, thoughts and prayers, we together create this as a sacred time and a sacred space. And we affirm that each of us matters, that how we feel matters, that our thoughts are valuable and that life is worthy of some deeper exploration, together in community, one with another. So I invite you to take a conscious breath now. And as we breathe in, imagine bringing into our lives what we most need. And as we breathe out, let us release anything that we feel is not for our highest good. May the stresses and the strains of our everyday lives drop away now and leave us free free to explore deeper mysteries and deeper truths, open to inspiration and the power of love. And may the light of this chalice inspire our time together. May its warmth touch our hearts, and may its message of a free and liberal faith spread outwards to a world longing for freedom, acceptance and justice. And may its one flame remind us, again, that we are all one people, living one life on one world, all together, each individual element creating the whole. It, on, um, on today's hymn sheet, there is um, a question about what, what does health mean? What might it mean physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially? And in each of those categories, for us, for our community, for wider society, for the world. As you perhaps know, our theme this month is health and healing in all of our services here at uh, Essex Church. And we're looking at health from lots of different angles. And in today's service, we've got several different takes on this. Um, as always, um, it has an editor's comment on it that this is just one person's view and we'd be very interested to hear your ideas too. We're we're all aware, aren't we, that our 
that every illness, small or large, has an effect on more than simply our physical body. And we also know that although our bodies may be failing us, yet, yet we may still feel mentally, emotionally, spiritually, really quite healthy. We are more than our bodies. It's an interesting exploration, I think, to ask what health means for you in these different dimensions. Perhaps to do a health audit of how you are feeling at a particular moment. When I, when I did this exercise this week, what stood out for me was that my sense of well-being is profoundly affected by my social connections with others and my connections with the spiritual world, the rather the natural world. I'm someone who needs the company of others regularly. I also really need to be out in the fresh air far more often than I currently am. So I do invite you to spend time exploring what health means for you. But I also recommend asking the same questions about our society. I wonder what your health audit of British society currently would focus upon. David, you mentioned our relationship with Russia. Um, it's an extremely interesting question how we as a society relate with other countries around the world. But this week, I've particularly been thinking about the young man who built an explosive device and left it on a tube train where it exploded at Parsons Green here in West London. Thank goodness nobody was killed by the blast. Many people, though, were shocked and frightened and suffered injuries. Ahmed Hassan is clearly a wrongdoer but my brief reading of the details of his case show him to be an extremely troubled 18-year-old who has experienced considerable trauma in life. This does not in any way excuse what he then chose to do. But when we send him to prison, as we are about to do, what remedial help will he receive in our overcrowded, underfunded justice system? When I consider the health of British society, it is the poor state of our prisons and the lack of care shown to troubled individuals who we lock up. That concerns me more, actually, than anything else. Next week, here at Essex Church, we'll be holding one of our monthly Sunday conversations about this theme of health and healing. Do come along to that and bring your thoughts about what health means in all its many dimensions for us as individuals, for us collectively, and of course indeed for our wondrous planet Earth home on which we live all our days. Healthy lives need a healthy home. So I invite you to take all your health and healing thoughts into a time of prayer and reflection now. And may the glorious spirit of life and love be with us now and bless all we say and do together this day. We pray for the health and well-being of all members of our community. 
We pray for those who struggle daily with anxiety, worry, depression and unease. It is rightly said that in a fractured society, being well-adjusted is no sign of health. So let us remember those whose ill health reflects the chaos of the world around us, the world that we have, in part, made so. Let us pray for all those who work for the health of others, that they may feel truly valued, that they may have all the resources they need to do the demanding jobs that need to be done. And let us pray that they may be kind and compassionate to all those who depend upon them. And let us pray for the health of our world with all its troubles and concerns, yet still holding the astounding miracle, which is the gift of life. In a few moments of shared stillness now, may our love ripple outwards to those we know to be in need this day, to the wounded, broken, places and people most in need. And may our care and concern find practical ways to assist for the greater good of all. Amen. Some of you may know that six years ago I was a volunteer at St Christopher's Hospice, a hospice founded by Dame Cicely Saunders, who's considered to be the founder of the modern hospice movement. Having been a nurse, she was very dissatisfied with the way that patients dying from terminal illnesses were treated in hospital and told that there was nothing more that could be done for them. There's so much more to do, would be her ongoing statement at St Christopher's. Cicely Saunders understood that there was much more to a dying person than just being a patient with medical system, um, symptoms which needed treating and controlling. She had a more holistic view of supporting the emotional, spiritual, practical and social needs of each person in her care. That, combined with what we Unitarians may identify as the inherent worth and dignity of every person, underpinned the work she did in palliative care. She said, you matter because you are you, and you matter to the end of your life. We will do all we can, not only to help you die peacefully, but also to live until you die.
And this living until you die was something which set the hospice movement apart from the common medical approach to those with life-limiting illnesses. And a message which pleasantly surprised me when I started volunteering. Quality of people's lives, whether attending as day patients, arriving for a short stay to adjust pain management, or longer stays, was something which was measured at the hospice. What was recognised was that a person's illness or diagnosis is not their entire story. And being able to access regular complementary therapies, art groups, meditation groups, as well as being able to socialise with others, either at day centres, as their energy levels allowed them, or receiving regular visits from community volunteers, meant that for many people, their qualities of life improved, even though they were very ill. Being and feeling ill can bring such a feeling of powerlessness with it. Powerlessness because we know this is how it is. We can't live forever. Whether we've been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness or been given a clean bill of health, our bodies just aren't built to last an eternity. And it can take some of us a lifetime to accept that. But our physical health, as identified by Dame Sicily and other philosophical and spiritual traditions, is not separate from our state of mind and emotional well-being. The ability to make small and big choices when in a powerless situation such as at the end of one's life, or even just when we're feeling poorly, can allow us to take back some agency. And that self-agency is not only a really powerful thing, but also essential to the quality of the life that we live. Being able to assert one's needs was something I saw encouraged and affirmed at the hospice. From people asking for particular foods to eat, or sunny summer, summer days when beds were wheeled from the wards into the beautifully landscaped garden as requests for fresh air were met, to people stating their choice to die at home in familiar surroundings. And I've had the honour of meeting and knowing some really incredible people who, although their bodies were failing them, were still so strong in spirit and found ways to communicate what they wanted. And like Stephen Hawking, who died earlier this week, those patients with motor neuron disease whose doctors had said would only live a few years, went on to live rich, full lives despite their physical challenges. They taught me so strongly that our quality of life is not just bodily bound. 
It gives me something to remember when I feel so well, because I so value my usual ability to be independent. I loathe the idea of asking for someone's help or assistance. And maybe some of you find this too. But in the times that I've allowed others to help by stating my needs and requesting a little something that they can do for me, it really transformed my inner sense of well-being, distinct from how I was feeling physically. So whether a cold or something more enduring, my hope is that you'll gain a sense that there are ways to maintain a sense of wholeness, a sense of quality of life every day, no matter where in the seasons of your life you may be. So on Tuesday, it will be the spring equinox. Um, for me, um, the seasonal changes are quite important to how I practice my spirituality. Um, and I think it's sometimes something we can lose 
uh, within ourselves, the rhythms of nature and how they affect us. As much as the earth changes in this time, so do we as people. Um, and I firmly believe in the magic of the earth and everything that's around us. And I think it's the most imminent and primal way that divinity expresses itself. And I know that word, uh, magic, is quite a loaded word, isn't it? You know, people, I assure you, I don't run around with a stick expecting lights to come pouring out when I say ridiculous Latin words. But um, I do believe in the primal power that we all are connected to. We achieve um, through stillness, mostly, uh, which is one of the reasons I like coming here. Um, so, um, I'm going to do a meditation, um, and I'd like you all to get comfortable. Let's start with that. You might have to close your eyes, and I do apologize, because it means not getting to look at this, but you'll be fine. I know, perfection. <laughs> so, if you just take a deep breath, Close your eyes and get comfortable. The equinox is a time of liminal space and I invite you into that now. I'd like you to take three deep breaths and as you breathe in, I want you to breathe in new and clear energy and breathe out any polluted energy within us that we pick up from our day-to-day -day stresses. Just take those three deep breaths and let them out. Now we're going to become conscious of our bodies. I want you to start at your feet and just imagine them relaxing. Allow your body to relax. Start at your feet and work up. Go up your feet to your ankles. Let that relaxation travel through you. Up your legs, all the way up to your waist. Through your torso, for your chest, your shoulders and your arms down to your hands, to the tips of your fingers, to your neck and your face. Just relax. And I invite you to stray now from time and place where you are spirit, where you are thought. Deep within yourself, I want you to see a standing stone that comes to your waist. And on that stone is a chalice of water. And floating above that chalice is a flame. This is your divine spark. Feel yourself drawn into that flame. So you are bathing in it. But it doesn't burn. It revitalizes and cleanses you. And as you step forward out of that flame, you find yourself in a field, lush and green. The sun shines down and a gentle breeze is all around you. Walk the land that you are on barefoot. Feel the grass beneath you. See the waters to the side of you and forest in the distance. As you walk, be aware of the small clouds in the sky and the blue of it. And up ahead, you see 
a seat made of vines and leaves, brambles, and seated there is a woman. She wears a crown of flowers and a green robe. You approach her and you bow, and she hands you a seed. You take the seed, bow again, and you walk through this place. And as you do, knowing how the rhythms of nature and the earth changes, you're aware of that within yourself. We live many lives, sometimes every day, and we are reborn like a phoenix from the ashes. Rebirth and renewal is the power of spring. And as you walk up ahead, you see on a stone another candle. And as you approach it, you feel that it resonates with the spark within yourself and find yourself once again standing in those flames, being revitalized and cleansed. Stand before the flames and you place your seed on it and the embers spit, filling you up. The seed will grow from your divine spark, from every kind act you do, from every time you walk in nature, from every time you are with people you love and share love, this seed will grow within you. And rebirth is its answer. I invite you now to stay in this place of stillness. You can stand in the flame or by it. You can go into it again and find yourself somewhere else. And when the gong rings, you can return. But embrace the stillness and be at peace. Many years um, ago, I heard a Tibetan teaching about health and healing that I've been pondering ever since. It, it stated that ultimately the cause of dis-ease was congestion and the cure was circulation. Ultimately, the cause of disease, so this teacher said, is congestion and the cure is circulation. If, if we take this as an esoteric teaching with multiply layered meanings, perhaps there's some relevance in it for each of us. And like everything we're saying this month here at Essex Church about health and healing, it has a health warning attached to it. 
I'm not medically trained. I've got no right to give anyone any advice about their own health. But, like you, I've probably, I've spent an adult lifetime exploring my own health issues. And it's been helpful for me over the years to explore alternative approaches to healthcare alongside more conventional Western medical approaches. The idea of circulation always makes me think of the circularity of our breathing, the remarkable, often unconscious mechanisms that bring life-giving oxygen to every cell and breathe out any unneeded elements. I've come to realize over the years how much there is to gain from breathing more consciously, that we can affect our emotional and physical states quite powerfully sometimes by becoming more aware of our breathing and by controlling it for specific purposes. The idea of congestion affecting many aspects of our lives, not just our physical lives, that intrigues me. Have you, like I have, perhaps experienced sometime great relief when I finally summoned up the strength to speak out about something that's troubling me? Our thoughts and our feelings can indeed become congested, stuck. I've experienced a similar relief when I physically cleared my surroundings. Jenny, our warden, and I worked for hours last week with Jenny Canfield from our Seven Oaks Unitarian Congregation to uh, clear our office here at the church. Jenny Canfield is a professional clutter clearer and she's got an amazing ability to find congestion and then remove it quite speedily if you're not careful. She finds it in drawers, in cupboards and corners of rooms. And I've discovered that I've got an amazing ability to make things be congested around me. And you know, once a room is cleared, it has a different energy. It's got a different feel to it. There's room to move, to breathe. Some kind of flow starts to happen once more. You'll hear some people speak of the energy in a room or a place. The energy they sense in other people. Energy, like physical material things, it can get congested. It can feel stagnant or stuck, or it can flow. And when energy flows, I think some of us feel it. Last week, Tristan uh, led us in a Reiki exercise that focused our attention on the tingling in our hands when we moved them in front of us. And in a little while, David Talbot is going to lead us in a Tai Chi exercise that can heighten our awareness of the Chi, the life force flowing in us and all around us. What all these healing practices tell us forms an interesting contradiction for me. Firstly, it's saying that we can have some power in the matter, that we can affect our health and well-being by paying attention, by heightening our awareness and by using some remarkably simple methods of movement and breath work. We have some power in the matter, but ultimately, ultimately we have to learn to go with the flow. There is much in life that is way beyond our control or our choosing. Yet, to find one area of life in which we can encourage energy to flow once more 
may positively affect other aspects of our lives. Let's see how we feel after just one Tai Chi exercise. So the practice of Tai Chi is from China, uh, going way back, thousand, thousand or more years probably, and it's uh, from the martial arts tradition in China. Uh, it's practiced worldwide today for its relaxation and health-giving benefits, which are many and varied and extremely well documented and researched. But one that I would highlight is um, falls prevention. Um, in, in, as we get older, we're more likely to fall over, and um, Tai Chi, or the regular practice of it, can help negate that, uh, that problem. So I'm going to show you one uh, Tai Chi exercise. It's called Waving Hands in Clouds, or Cloud Hands. And it's just a lovely, lovely heart-centered, grounding uh, movement. Okay? Um, and it's said to be good for anxiety and insomnia. That's getting rid of it, not giving it to you. <laughs> so I'm going to move down to the front, and uh, so you can... Um, have a go. Um, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Um, you can probably do it seated if you wish, but it's better if we stand up. So I'll invite you to stand if you wish, and I will come around to the front. Yeah. Okay, so I want you just to stand hip width apart and bend your knees slightly. And just be aware of the sinking down into your legs, yeah? so you feel strong in your legs, yeah? okay? and be aware that you're inhabiting all of your body, okay? not just your head and your shoulders. So let's just lift the shoulders up, roll them back, drop them down, and again, inhale, exhale, and the other way up, over and down, one more, up, over and down, exhale, lift them up, Squeeze tight and let go of the soft. Ah, that was good, we'll do that again. Inhale, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Ah. Okay, so let's get on to this exercise, waving hands in the hands. We're going to just begin by transferring our weight onto our left. So moving the hips a little to the left and then back to the right. Keep both feet stuck firmly to the floor. You're just Moving your hips. It's as if perhaps somebody's standing next to you and you don't like them, you just get it out of the way. It's that sort of nudge movement, yeah? One way and the other. One, two, one more, one, two. Okay, now have the weight on the right. Put your right hand out. Now, as you transfer the weight to the left, the hand is moved across. Then you lift the hand and go back. So the hand is going round in a clockwise circle. So a lot of it looks like you're drawing a curtain, then you're looking at a palm, like looking in a mirror. So don't make the movements too big. The arm is more being moved than moving, if that makes sense. Okay, now let's try the left. Weight on the left, the left arm out, so it comes across, up, across, and down. So it's going anti-clockwise, yeah? 
breathe naturally. Don't worry too much about the breathing. As long as you are breathing, John Kabat-Zinn, the founder of mindfulness, said, as long as you're still breathing, there's more right than you're going to roll. Okay, so now, the grand finale. Put them both together. <coughs> Left up, right down. And then we go one goes one way, one goes the other. Just keep your shoulders relaxed, enjoy the move. Smile. It's great. Looking good. Good, good, good. Just a few more. You could probably find this on YouTube if you want to look, waving hands in the clouds. But there's also a Tai Chi class here, I understand, on Friday morning. It's free, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I haven't been to it, but maybe one or two of you have. Just a few more. So Left hand is open, right hand is loose fist, they come together and we bow. Open <laughs> so on this cold day, may the warmth of love radiate from this gathering out to our wider world. May our explorations of the many meanings of health help us find wellsprings of well-being in our own lives and in the life of our world. And as our planet moves our northern lands ever closer to the sun, may its energy renew our strength for the deepening work of healing and repair that is always needed in life. May you be well. Amen. Go well and blessed be.